right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. You guys know me. I'm Bryce. Uh, and today I'm going to be joined by Sahib Wasim from uh, Astra Protocol. He is the CTO. Um, Sak, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good, Bryce. Uh, really pleased to be here. Excited to talk with all the listeners about all things AML, all things crypto regulation, and of course, Astra Protocol. All right. Yeah. No, honestly, when when you say AML and KYC, I think there's actually probably some listeners out there who don't even know what those terms mean. They might have heard it, um, but they don't know like what it really uh, all the context. And it's really important. Um, And there's a lot of debates happening around uh, KYC and AML right now in in American Congress and in pretty much every parliament there is. Um, People want to know how to regulate crypto. So let's just start there before we dive into your background. What is KYC? What is AML? And why is it uh, a big topic of discussion in crypto? Sure. I mean, that's that's very, uh, very important that we clarify what these things are. We use these acronyms KYC and AML every day frivolously because we work in the industry or anybody who's listening who works in traditional finance or is that or has really had any day to day experience with banking uh, is familiar with them. But for those of you who, who don't know what it is, KYC is an acronym. It stands for know your customer. And AML is anti-money laundering. So really, these are two techniques that are used in the traditional or Web2 financial infrastructure around the world. Uh, Often these rules are set by regulators on standards or by central banks as to how they should be carried out. And really, they're, they're diligence practices. So it's all about understanding uh, an individual or a business that might be entering into some kind of financial arrangement. And it's about understanding the the threat or risk that that individual possesses to a wider financial uh, institution. Mm -hmm. So KYC will typically look at a few checks on an individual. Um, Have they ever been involved in any kind of fraud? Do they exist on any sanctions, screening, watch list or monitoring list? And then, of course, anti-money laundering is really delving into an individual to understand whether they've had any uh, financial criminal history and how that may uh, impact the wider ecosystem they're trying to join up to. And regulators set these rules kind of with one uh, overall directive. That's about ensuring um, wider safety from a consumer protection angle so that we're not introducing scammers and people from illicit finance into generally healthy financial ecosystems. Uh, and of course, limiting risk to the financial institution itself of being subject to scams or illicit finance entering and then, and then becoming a proxy to some of those issues. Um, banks try really hard to get this right. They don't often do. Uh, some of these practices can be worked around in Web 2 technology and Web 3, when we look at this from a DeFi, from a crypto perspective, it's, um, it's a minefield. Um, usually, standards are set either on a local jurisdictional basis. So if you're from the States, it'll either be state-driven or maybe it'll be a federal check as well. But as we start to look at crypto, crypto is really borderless and is shrouded by a lot of anonymity. Don't get me wrong. I think some of these uh, features of blockchain and crypto as a whole are incredible. We're very pro-crypto at Astro Protocol. We believe in the future of this industry We personally believe as well, or I personally believe, and that's shared by the founders in this industry as well, that this will eventually begin to replace a lot of traditional financial institutions. We believe that this will be the future or the underlying capability 
of blockchain crypto will eventually cannibalize a lot of the Web2 practices for the obvious benefits that everyone is aware of today. Faster transaction speed, borderless transactions, a fraction of the price when it comes to executing transactions, and more financial freedom for the underbanked as well. So, Bryce, if I had to summarize KYC and AML for everybody out here, know your customer and anti-money laundering, it's about providing uh, safeguards to protect nascent users or vulnerable users from being exposed to uh, scams or illicit actors, and also to insulate those ecosystems or financial institutions from potentially harmful funds entering into their, their institutions. Beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, that, that, that hit the nail on the head. And I think that gives a lot of people um, a great jumping off point for, for some of the more you know, complex aspects that we'll dive into with Astra and how you guys are solving this problem and, and making it better. For instance, uh, if HSBC, for instance, was using Astra protocol, maybe they wouldn't be fined a fucking billion dollars every year uh, for all of their money laundering. And maybe JP Morgan would uh, you know, save some money. So I think, of, I think the bank's uh, they might want to look at uh, at this protocol here, but we'll dive into that. How did you become the guy to do it? What's your background? Were you at the banks? Were you at a tech company? Uh, what side of the equation did you kind of find yourself in here? Yeah, well, my career started working in traditional finance. So I started as an analyst, built some really interesting reporting modules, went on to become a consultant for my own business. Uh, providing regulatory solutions to banks. So really familiar with regulatory crisis uh, in Europe, huge scandals you know, in excess of the billions of dollars kind of shroud a lot of actions from banks. So my job as an independent was to go in and develop transformative technology solutions that would kind of um, set practices more fairly for consumers um, and, and really shine a light on some of the, the uh, unfair practices of financial institutions. So my role uh, kind of sat between the two. It was between the regulators, the financial institutions themselves, and the consumers. And uh, I developed a lot of uh, interesting platforms throughout my time. I worked with some of the, the, the top five banks around the world, uh, internationally speaking. I developed uh, some automation practices for the banks to actually alleviate and make their systems run a lot smoother built some reporting platforms out to the regulators as well to shine a light on some of the truth set banks. Um, and I built a lot of CRM platforms. And somewhere along this journey, I started to uncover, I don't want to call them unfair practices of banks, um, more um, how the system wasn't really tailored in terms of fairness to everybody. But that's nobody's fault. That's just how you know rules and practices have been set for many years. Um, so I started building out clever uh, applications that would uh, shift the balance of fairness uh, in respect of what regulators were looking to achieve, which is ultimately protecting consumers and ensuring that they're done by in the most appropriate way. Mm. Um, so as you said, banks uh, not always get it right. The rules are out there, but sometimes they're not clear for them too. So really, I leveled the playing field for all of them. And somewhere along that journey, I think in around 2012, um, I was introduced to this, uh, what, what was described to me as untraceable internet money called Bitcoin. Um, so I started researching Bitcoin, started looking at smart contracts and Ethereum, and then started introducing um, blockchain platforms uh, to major traditional financial institutions and how they can really help them a lot of the things that they were doing. I love it. And kind of one of the, the points that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hearing is that maybe crypto and blockchain 
has the potential to enable truly fair markets and truly transparent markets. Um, and I think a lot of the times people don't really see that. They just think they hear, you know, the average person, oh, crypto, it just means privacy and anonymity and it's a wild west. And they hear these things on CNBC. So how do we resolve those two ideas in our mind of like, here's the truth is like it's blockchains are transparent, they're auditable, it's going to level the playing field. But on the other side, you have the media, you have people like Gary Gensler and Elizabeth Warren who are going to flood the market and say all these things. What, 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 what's your view and how we could resolve these two viewpoints? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Bryce. So blockchain is the truth, I suppose, in, in some respect. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is publicly viewable. You can see where all these transactions are, which demystifies a lot of financial transactions, which we don't see in Web2. Web2 is private information that belongs to banks and then is reportable outwards. So there is there is a lot of traceability issues that are exposed through blockchain. So firstly, level playing field. Everybody knows where everything is at once. So it's all there, it's all readable, and it's all usable. That's great. Um, it doesn't really get us to where we need to be. So I would say crypto and DeFi has established itself. I mean, if we look back pre-2022, we're talking in excess of $3 trillion, which is nothing to be scoffed at. You can't compare that to, to traditional finance, which is you know, like $40 trillion or even more significant than that, right? Um, What we saw in this market was there was appetite and interest. Banks see innovative technology. They see ways that they can use it. They see ways that they can evolve their practices, but it doesn't stack up to their risk and compliance. So it it just isn't usable. And what we saw at Astro Protocol was huge amounts of institutional finance coming into this industry. So lots of passive investment or active investment into blockchain technology, but no real direct usage of it. And I think around 2022, we saw a huge meltdown in the industry. We saw public scams. We saw huge failings, accountability and risk really coming to fruition. Um, And that's because in our belief, there just wasn't the regulatory frameworks in this industry. There are no real safeguards for consumers in this industry. There is no real way for regulators to endorse it in their view. And regulators, if we, if we just go back to what I said earlier, which is the regulators' jobs, whether they're pro, whether they're anti-crypto, that shouldn't really come into any kind of effect, really. Uh, we don't look at regulators for their opinions. We look at regulators for their ability to provide frameworks that protect the end user. And that's what it's all about. That's a regulator's position. So I don't really listen to opinions and we don't really care for opinions of regulators. We care for what are they doing actively to actually push further guidance and more transparency out to businesses and the end user? What's going to help grow this industry? Um, And we started building Astro Protocol as a means to bring in the next generation of crypto. Now, we talk about crypto as this massive financial revolution that is going to change the world Uh, We do this with a glimmer in our eye, and it seems very exciting to all of us users who've been hodling for many years. But the stark reality is we can't have this massive financial revolution or or change um, unless it's inclusive. Um, And that's not inclusive from an end user perspective. It's inclusive from a retail perspective because anybody can, can sign up and create an open source wallet and start entering, right? but it's not usable from a traditional financial perspective. And we look at the the overall landscape of the economies of the world and finance as it stands right now, it's not accessible. So Astro Protocol starts to make it more accessible. What we have built 
is um, a Web 2 and Web 3 um, ubiquitous compliance layer. Sounds very fancy. It sounds quite complicated, but it's not. We've created a KYC and an anti-money laundering application that can be plugged into virtually any crypto app, which is great. A lot of people out there who are listening right now will say, well, I'm not interested. I, I, I want to remain anonymous and, and, you know, my crypto is mine. Don't anyone, I don't want anybody to know about it. And that's fine. There will always be people that want to remain anonymous and remain private. And, and we're, not, we're, not, um, we're not shy to that fact. You're either. not forcing yourselves upon anybody, but you're no. an option. Well, we, we do feel that regulation will make Astra more of a standard across this industry or applications like Astra. We certainly feel that we're leading the way in this. But our application effectively provides a safer onboarding, uh, onboarding route for users. So we're trying to tackle this problem. We are tackling this problem, which is big banks have huge interest in crypto. They right. have capital to enter into these markets. And we would see more stability and more growth in this industry if they were actively able to put capital into crypto. Mm-hmm. So let's just create um, a really good... Uh, scenario here. So we've got a big bank that's got $100 million and it's high risk capital. They have all the risk work done on their side and they want to put that on a DEX. They want to create a liquidity pool. Now they can do that, but regulation as it stands right now will not allow them to do that because there's just unquantifiable risk. So you got to kind of know who your counterparty is. Exactly. There's huge counterparty risk. You don't know who is going to transact with that liquidity pool. Uh, we don't want to go down the route of just creating subnets whilst they are a lot more efficient um, from a technology capacity to traditional frameworks. Um, they're, they're kind of exclusive to a certain kind of candidate like institutional investors and others. So mm-hmm. how about how about this? You overlay Astra protocol onto a DEX so that you have a non-mandatory KYC mechanism. So if you're a whale or you want to gain access to large liquidity, you can now do that. You go through our KYC module. Your information belongs to you. We zero knowledge that, so you're in control of all your information. And now you have access to liquidity from major traditional financial institutions. Mm-hmm. And likewise, the financial institution that's putting that liquidity in, their risk is minimized because they can prove on chain that that individual was KYC verified at a particular point in time. There was AML risk done on that individual. We brought in major legal compliance institutions to take an anonymized mm-hmm. view on that information as well to see whether the compliance stands up to their standards as well. And we've minimized that risk, which now means rather than just investing in the technology, banks can make this technology usable. Now you've got banks using it. You've got everyday traders using it. And now you have large institutional traders as well who can join a DEX and do this and access that liquidity. Because one of the problems right now is uh, with DEXs is liquidity, price slippage, being able to access all of those assets as well. Mm. Yeah. So that's, and, that's and, what we're solving. It's a, it's a huge, it's a huge undertaking and uh, bravo for, for taking that on. Um, have, have you guys run into a lot of challenges? Has it been pretty smooth? And, and if so, what, what have some of those challenges been? Um, I wouldn't really say that we've had too many challenges. I think there is um, uh, a need and a desire from both sides of the equation. So the crypto community have a lot to prove in terms of the industry and economies and ecosystems being safe. And we have a lot of builders and we have a lot of upcoming businesses as well. 
and entrepreneurs and technologists who are developing platforms who say, well, I, I don't want to be in a position where I build a DEX or I build a DeFi protocol and the regulator comes knocking on my door and, and wants to run you know, a review for the last three years worth of work. We want to build this from the ground in a safe way. And then likewise, you have really massive platforms who are saying, well, we want to build blockchain as web 3.5, which is inclusive of financial institutions and really pushes the needle and has the regulators on our side. It's like Aave's, um, the Aave ARC program. Exactly, exactly. But slightly, um, slightly more catered to a decentralized community, which offers this as an option. Nice. So then we can start to really build this crypto industry in different buckets. So you have this 100% KYC, fully regulated bucket of crypto wallets that exist out there, right? And they'll only ever interact with validated KYC pools and other KYC wallets and maybe just these liquidity pools from banks. And then you have the mid-risk, which is uh, KYC wallets that generally only interact with these uh, validated KYC pools, but sometimes have transactions from anonymized wallets as well. And then you have the outlier as well, which is only anonymized wallets, only anonymized transactions, not interested in anything KYC. And that's fine too. What we will see is a minimized risk because... I mean, there is illicit finance in this industry. It's, it's, it's obvious, right? And in times where you know, we're at the brink of war in Europe or active war in Europe and there's shroudiness around the financing of uh, you know, uh, wartime and uh, you know, the movement of arms around the world, crypto can be used as a conduit. And it's easy to point at crypto as well because of its anonymous nature, right? What this does is it demystifies a lot of that and says, well, here's a population that we can point at as generally healthy or KYC approved in line with regulatory review right now. And then you have the slightly higher risk middle bucket as well, which, okay, needs a little bit more analysis. But if there's risk appetite, you know, it's usable as well. And then you have, okay, this is anonymized. And eventually what you'll see is all of the shift in focus of generally this whole industry is bad and everything is scary in the eyes of regulators and banks and trust from governments will shift and the attention will be focused on, okay, so there is fully anonymized. We can't say that everybody in the anonymized world is bad. It's just their preference. But within that as well, as a proxy through bringing in KYC techniques, you start to move some of those illicit finance or dangerous finance into that pocket as well, which becomes manageable, removes the risk, and then it empowers the end user from an ethics perspective as well. So when I go on a DEX now, I don't have to worry that if I make a swap, that LP or liquidity pool has been funded by somebody who's in the shady side of finance. Mm, yeah. You want to make sure you're not interacting with North Korea or a sanctioned country. Um, definitely. Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi video lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera and a doorbell all in one. That's right. Three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. No drilling required. It gives you keyless entry. So no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months. But don't worry, when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also, it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recorded 
recordings, they're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Eufy Video Lock is 24-7, so you don't have to worry about any issues you have, and it comes with an 18-month warranty. What I love about this product is it's truly all-in-one with the three-in-one. You don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Um, now, I guess one of the interesting um, sort of components here is, you know, the revealing of personal information to a, a party like Astra, where I think a lot of people are like, well, is there an element of trust there? What if there's a data breach? I don't want my personal information out there any more than it already is. So, so how do you guys kind of deal with that? You're doing it anyway today, right? So every day when you sign up for a bank, you sign up for a mobile phone, you, you, you give that information out, right? So you're giving it to a Web2 company. Um, one of the, the, the points that we address is transparency of where that information is and how that information is being used. Uh, with a Web2 company, you, you pass your private information across to them where you're personally identifiable or sensitive information to them, and then you don't really know where it goes. You, you sign a big terms and conditions and you can't see it. With us, we run a parallel blockchain to this that shows you where your documents are, who's accessed it, where it's living, uh, okay. who has been provisioned outwards, and we put you in control of that. So that simply just quashes any view on that. And also any um, specific regulation or data requirement for us to store or hold any information as well, we wrap everything in full enterprise-grade security around it as well so that we're compliant on both sides. And, and could you almost see this Astra protocol evolving, or, or maybe this was perhaps part of the genesis of the idea, like it's not just a decentralized legal network and KYC uh, AML platform for other blockchains, but you could actually have Web 2.0 companies just have a an upgraded KYC AML uh, system. Like banks could use this, not just blockchains and cryptos. Or am I misreading it? No, you're 100% right. We are agnostic of who the customer is. So from an integration perspective, and I'll take it a little bit technical here, it makes no difference whether you're a Web 2 or a Web 3 company in the eyes of Astra as a technology layer. So some of the benefits of our technology, super fast. So we, we can do a KYC check on an individual in a modernized nation around 10 seconds. So significantly wow. faster than anybody else. Um, incredibly more cost effective. We're about 30% more cost effective than uh, Web2 standard providers. We do that through uh, tokenization. Um, and then, um, you know, obviously the privacy concerns as well. That's a major thing. But one thing I will touch on is global coverage. Crypto is global, right? 
Most KYC providers in a Web2 sense are focused on particular areas. We have the regulation or regulatory frameworks of KYC for over 150 countries built into our service. So we can KYC pretty much anyone from anywhere around the world. And we're inclusive. We're not focused on modernized nations. We think emerging markets are really important as well. They're an important part of crypto because the underbank needs access to financial frameworks. And that's what crypto provides. So we even do manual data scrape. So if you've got a paper uh, license and your, your country or nation doesn't have access to digital systems, but you have access to a mobile, maybe your, your driver's license, or your, your current ID is stored in paper, we can actually source those documents locally, verify them, upload them into our system and, compa- and uh, compare them. So we offer that a manual uh, service too. I love that. And, and I think that, you know, I, w- I want to kind of hit on that as well, because I, I saw a statistic literally the other day um, in regards to, you know, you trying to serve more emerging markets and not necessarily America and all these developed sort of countries. It's like, we already have those systems, but, you know, Nigeria is going to be by 2050, the third largest or the third most populous country in the world, um, greater than America, surpassing. And like you could see the demographics of America is like, you know, we're kind of topping out. Um, and, you know, when a population starts to decline, you know, humans are capital. That's actually a fundamental deleveraging of that population. And when you have a population like Nigeria, which is on the up and up, but they don't really have as many, um, you know, KYC, AML or just normal infrastructure, right? And so being able to build for that population is actually a really smart business play, I think, because you're going where the growth is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you have to look at trends. We take a very analytical approach to everything that we do at Astra. So we look at trends, number of users who are growing uh, from a nation basis as well. And then we offer our services out to the crypto industry, just blanket. We do it in a low touch way as well. So you can literally just contact us, take our API kits, take our smart contract capability, plug it into your service and away you go. And you can accept onboarding from 150 countries. It becomes super easy. And uh, emerging nations have to be a part of everybody's plan, I think. I think there's already well-established nations out there where there probably isn't much uh, attraction or probably harder competition. And then you can start looking at emerging nations as a, as a hub of uh, good customers and returning customers who build loyalty with you as well. Yeah. No, totally. Um, w- one of the things I was thinking um, that I want to go back on is the tokenization aspect. You had mentioned there was you know, upwards of maybe 30% cost savings due to this feature for your end users. Can you talk about you know, what tokenization looks like in your guys' uh, system? Yeah, it's, it's very straightforward. So like I said, um, I'm a developer. Uh, I come from a technology background, uh, CTO now, so more managerial position in the company. Um, but one thing that no developer likes, and this is a heavily, heavily developer-led industry, is you know touch points. Nobody likes the SaaS model. It's um, it's mm-hmm. it's been around for a long time, but it's not quite working. There are ways to innovate on that, and we found a way to do it through tokenization. So tokens exist on the on the market. You can take our technology capability and plug it into your application with very low touch in terms of speaking to anybody at the company. Just take the information and plug it into your service through user guides and some uh, some uh, user support from our side. And then you can go ahead and buy tokens out on the market. You can lock them into our dashboard using a smart contract, and then you instantly have access to our platform. Now, now that you've locked those tokens into our platform, every time a KYC occurs, we'll remove the relevant number of tokens versus the dollar cost for KYC. Um, and then we'll provide a reward back to you at the end of your, uh, you know, uh, at, the, at the end of your period of, of locking your tokens into our platform, which basically just gives you uh, a rebate or a cost reduction at the end of that too. Um, but even at the base level of our model, 
Um, we know that this is a huge market. You know, there are, there are millions of users um, in crypto, and that's only growing year on year. So these are completely new customers to this system. So on a cost basis, on a three-year projection, we offer our basis prices in dollar costs, 30% cheaper than the leading companies in Web2. Wow, that's incredible. And, and I wonder you know, if this sort of uh, breakthrough, if you will, is one of the main pull factors for big executives um, that you guys have been able to actually attract to Astra. Um, kind of the most notable one that I read about was the former chief strategy officer of Samsung, and who was also uh, the corporate president of Samsung, who uh, who left, a, a guy named Young Sun, uh, and he joined uh, Astra Protocol on the board of advisors. Um, did he kind of give any color to why he uh, joined Astra? Well, we've got, um, and Young Sun is an incredible board advisor to have. He's, uh, you know, his, he has an incredible reputation at Samsung, well respected across the organization, still very close to their entire infrastructure as well. Uh, I still think he sits across their autonomous vehicle division and, and is involved uh, in the business still to this day. Um, but we've, we've brought on a number of advisors, right? We have Mick Mulvaney, former chief of staff to the United States White House. We have Kirsten Nielsen, wow. former head of Homeland Security and Cybersecurity for the U.S. federal government. We have Phil Hogan, former head of the uh, EU Trade Commission, sitting on our board as well, and a whole raft of other you know, serious uh, individuals across our team. But they all share one view, which is crypto really is going somewhere but there needs to be the relevant infrastructure level changes that makes it more accessible. So they all share that belief. They believe that this technology that Astra has created and is globally patented, I might add as well, um, can really serve this industry for its massive growth phase. We've seen a large growth phase, but we've not seen a huge growth phase. And that's gonna come from more inclusivity and more capital directly being able to utilize this technology. So they all believe in what we're doing, right? And as a result of having these board members, it gives us a couple of things. It gives us access and dialogue with regulators so we can help demystify and inform them on the, the, the differences between uh, Web 2 and Web 3 and how regulation doesn't quite fit that right now. Um, it also lets, them, lets us show them what we're doing and, and how we're building this industry in a stronger way as well. And we have a lot of support from a number of regulators around the world. It also allows us access to massive Web 2 giants as well. So we have conversations with huge electronic companies, banking companies around the world who are all interested in crypto and are doing crypto things, uh, but of course lack that regulatory infrastructure that we provide. Incredible. Um, so out of all the ecosystems that exist or that you've interacted with in crypto, um, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, there's you know, hundreds of them now. Um, do you guys find any certain ecosystem to be, you know, your favorite or that you love developing with? You like going to those conferences? Um, do you guys have any like uh, preferred partners, if you will? Sure. I mean, I'll tell you personally speaking, Ethereum. Um, Ethereum, okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just my personal opinion on this. A huge sure. fan of Ethereum. Um, I think it's been incredible to see the journey of this ecosystem and technology grow and grow continuously grow year and year. And the team and the, all the devs around this ecosystem have just been piling huge amounts of work into it, which is incredible, right? But there's also been the most uh, maturity in terms of the market as well for Ethereum, in terms of applications, in terms of the number of users, uh, in terms of the credibility of this blockchain as well. So we actually started building everything in Ethereum um, for that basis in that there are customers there's credibility and there's interest as well from the Web2 side. So we took an analytical approach and said, okay, we'll start that. Um, 
that doesn't limit us because we we consider ourselves to be agnostic. We're having some really powerful conversations with another with a number of uh, EVM compatible blockchains out there, and others too who, who aren't even EVM compatible, just doing their own thing as well. We feel that every blockchain will benefit from this. I mean, it, it, you know, if you know, I think Deloitte's survey was something like. Um, 80% of the challenges faced by Web2 adoption into, into crypto and Web3 is regulatory hurdles. So if, if that's what the traditional world is saying, I mean, the crypto world is really, you know, uh, dying for a solution like ours and we're here. Do you have uh, any hot takes or predictions on uh, some of the American regulatory hurdles? And I know you're not in the States, and so maybe this is a um, yeah, a non sequitur or whatever, but do you have any hot takes on what's kind of unfolding in the States with all the regulatory confusion? Look, I think um, it's kind of, the States have been in a battle for a long time um, between the uh, CFTC and the SEC. Right. Um, so I would say, look, from a US perspective, until there's more clarity from which regulator is really taking a lead point on this, we're not really going to see much movement. I think there is much more clarity from an EU perspective, although we also saw uh, the IMF at Sherpa Trail give a lot of guidance on CBDC and stable coins, which seemed to be a hot topic after Luna Terra last year, right? Yep. So, um, so I think there's a lot more guidance coming out. I think FTX um, having a CEO, you know, being from the States, uh, created a lot of uh, finger pointing um, at the US regulatory system right now, but they're working hard to actively put stuff out there. And I can't blame the regulators. This is quite a tricky industry. I think we need to do yeah. more outreach from an industry-led perspective. One of the great things of our board, board advisors, in particular Mick, who set up the Blockchain Caucus in the States, is that access to regulators and being able to share dialogue and inform people about what we're doing. I would say, comparatively, if we look at the EU, they've made leaps and bounds. Now, it's quite controversial, I mean, you look at AML D6, so the sixth uh, directive from the uh, MICA or the EU Commission on, uh, on uh, uh, crypto assets. I mean, they're now saying that any uh, transaction or payment above 1,000 euros must be KYC'd, which is very interesting. I mean, that was approved. You know, there are pieces of legislation and draft that, that are making this enforceable now. Uh, it's coming out of the EU uh, single rulebook for regulation as well for conducting due diligence and fair practices on individuals. So I think anybody wow. who's building a DeFi protocol out of the EU really needs to start speaking to Astra and put themselves in a position where they're more informed. Uh, but again, I, I think a lot of these actions are coming out of the brink of uh, war on the border in EU as well um, oh. and crypto transactions that are coming out of this. I think they're, they're, the regulators are, are cognizant of how this is actually limited, a lot of usage. I mean, if we talk about sanctions and, uh, you know, ring fencing the, the Russian banking ecosystem as well, it's actually forced people to adopt crypto uh, more wholesale. Uh, but then again, regulatory practices need to be put in to stop that being shrouded by the murkiness, like we talked about earlier with these different subsets and, and buckets, as we call them, of, of users. I mean, seeing this kind of, uh, tough regulation out of Russia and, and the wider world for, for obvious reasons has in some ways made crypto a lot more accessible to a number of people, people that you wouldn't even imagine. I mean, totally. our, our goal and my personal goal has always been, how do I get my dad to use crypto? I mean, how do we make it easy for him? Right. Totally. No, I love that. No, Sock, that's it's 
totally what I think about too. And I, you know, started uh, everything over here with Crypto 101. Um, and we wrote Crypto Revolution. It's like, how do we bring this down to the level of the average consumer, right? Where that's the most, that's the majority of people who are actually going to, uh, you know, to, to use this stuff or to affect markets. It's like, how do you get the common man or the everyday person to understand this stuff? So that's really what we try to do as well. Um, so um, definitely a shared vision there. But um, Sock, before we let you go, um, I, I kind of got one final question. And it's a pretty simple one. But for, for those of those in the audience who are listening to this podcast, um, they might be entering the world of crypto for the first time. And what would you as a crypto expert uh, really want them to know, whether it's about Astra or just about our, uh, our crazy industry in general? I, I would say stay safe, right? I mean, yeah. if, you're, if you're using a crypto platform, there's a lot of diligence that needs to be done right now. So Jack, um, there are obvious ethical components to crypto when you're using it, which is, do I know where that money has come from and how it's financing some of these DeFi platforms? Do I inherently trust that it's safe and it is going to be okay to use? Um, so do a lot of research when it comes to that. And otherwise, I would just say, um, you know, take your time with it. Uh, understand how this industry works. It's very dis- different to the traditional framework. So other people today are familiar with stocks and shares or maybe buying assets and things like that. But crypto is a whole different beast. So take your time, do a lot of research. Um, be safe out there as well, because scams are quite commonplace. Some of the things that we're helping resolve through our technology. If you see the Astra logo on a website, you know that it's going to be safe. You know that the user base of that platform is going to be vetted. And, you know, there aren't going to be, uh, let's let's call them dodgy people or illicit finance isn't going to enter those ecosystems. We're doing our best to ensure that, that, that it doesn't. Um, so, so that would be my advice to anybody who's going out there. But enjoy it. Learn, research. There is a wealth of information out there. Podcasts like Crypto 101 help you demystify a lot of that as well. And um, yeah, I mean, a lot of blockchain companies or crypto companies are really accessible. One of the things that sets them apart from Web2 companies is they normally have a Telegram or they have a user base or a Twitter, and they'll be very responsive, just like we are. Uh, we're accessible on Telegram and, and Twitter and a number of different mediums. You can always reach out to our team and they'll always help you through that journey as well. Love it. No, I, I loved also what you said about, you know, as you kind of go around and you see maybe Astra stamped on an application, um, you could kind of trust it, right? Where it's like, you know, they have Intel inside. You know, you're going to get reliable compute. It's like Astra inside. You're, you know, you're going to get reliable, uh, you know, KYC AML and uh, a safe uh, venue. So... Exactly. Sock, this was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, uh, talking to us about KYC, AML, and Astro Protocol. Appreciate that, Bryce. Uh, thanks for listening in, guys. Really appreciate that. If you want to find out more information on Astro Protocol, you can find us on Twitter at Astro Protocol, and you can also find us on Telegram as well. So with that, guys, reach out to us and give us a follow. If you, uh, if you like what you see about us, uh, the Astro Token is on exchanges as well. Uh, so just search for dollar Astra. You'll be able to see us there around trading on the market as well. But of course, do your research, make sure you're informed before you make any financial commitments. Love it. All right. Well, we'll catch you around. Hope you can come back on the podcast again soon uh, as you guys got some more updates. Yeah, absolutely. Always available, Bryce. So just give us a shout whenever you want to talk regulation. Sounds great. Take care. All the best. Bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.